0: Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. I have decided to continue with the prophetic word that I gave previously. The title of the word is Noah shall not save his children and I received this word on February 19, 2023. And so I was covering in the previous video about the many multifaceted changes that are going to come to all nations of the world. There were several thoughts in that video that I did not complete, such as God wanting to warn people in this world that war will come. I covered much about war, but I did say that there was an account told to me by a young man from the nation of liberia and this will tie into what the lord said on one of the prayer calls that i also did not finish war is very dangerous war is debilitating When something is debilitating, it means that it is a long and difficult process that gradually breaks something that was in a healthy state down, 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 breaks it down until it crumbles and loosens and it falls useless to the ground. Nations that undergo war, uh, they happen, they go through social changes, they go through structural changes, meaning that their landscape, all the buildings, all the beautiful buildings that they have built. Suffer damage in some cases are completely decimated and destroyed war destroys social structure families are scattered they run in different directions because an attack may happen some here somewhere all of a sudden without warning people are not prepared for it and then people flee no matter how much people come up with bug out bags and plans i'm not saying that these things are not bad in situations of war, in situations of sudden calamity, in ca- in situations of sudden disaster, which you can read about in Psalm 91, where it says the sudden disaster that strikes at noonday. This means something just happening. The bank's just making a declaration. The economy just crashing. A nuke just landing somewhere. An earthquake just happening somewhere like it did in Turkey. And tons of buildings falling and then with- without warning, over time, 55,000 plus people enter into eternity without so much as a chance to say goodbye to family and loved ones, or even more importantly, to repent of their sins so that it can be received by Jesus at the end when we are all resurrected to life to stand before him. These things, they shake nations. This is why the end times, the Bible says phrases like distress of nations. Much of the time when we are reading these things. We don't put them into perspective. So we don't we don't take it to heart what we are reading. We just read the surface wor- words. And then when someone is speaking about it from a prophetic standpoint, then we say, oh yeah, but we've heard all this before. We've heard about distress of nations. Have you actually been a nation in distress? Would you like to ask Nigeria right now about what it is to be in distress, to have all your money gone, locked inside the ATMs? and you can't get money for basic things anytime you want money you just swipe your card you just hand oh no try this one when the other one is not working do you know what it is to try to hand all five of them over and be told oh no they're all not working and in fact it's not your fault every point of sale in the united states has gone down you have no access to cash the bug out bag people are definitely onto something but you can have the bug out bag and then something happens at 2 a.m in the morning are you going to wake up from sleep with the reflexes of spider-man and godzilla it's not likely war scatters war tears down war ruins war annihilates it is destructive it is a very heartbreaking process this young man from the nation of liberia was sharing with me and telling me Um, when he was a very young child as in small and in the swaddling clothes, that was the time when that nation was locked in what would turn out to be a 15 year civil war locked in a 15 year civil war that spilled over in time to nearby Sierra Leone in West Africa. And he said, Oh, you know, I was a baby and we were in the village. So they were not even in the city, they were in the village. And he said, At night, rebel soldiers came and attacked suddenly. He doesn't know this story from memory. He knows this story because his mother told him this story later when he grew up. Their village was attacked at night, and he said that with the shelling and the shock and the killing, all the members of his family scattered into the forest. So they just ran out into the bush. Everybody just scattered, not, oh, let's get together and we have a plan and we have the bug out bag. People ran for life because that is what happens on instinct. He said his mother had gone a fair distance into the forest before she realized that she had left him back in their hut lying on a mat. She ran without her baby. And reading the Bible, reading stuff like what happened to Israel when they were under siege, where it says that even the woman with the tender, delicate ankle, because they had been under siege for so many years, when she gave birth, she ate the placenta and she would not share it even with her husband. And it called her the tender-footed woman, meaning that in better times, when they could swipe their cards, this was a woman of very high standing who did absolutely no work. When the Bible says that a woman with a tender foot or a tender ankle, it means she doesn't even know what it feels like to labor. She's not an Israelite servant girl or a woman of low class that has to maybe help her husband at the farm. That is what it's like when you are under siege. That is what it is like when there is war. He said his mother ran and forgot him. She had already gone very far before she realized that her arms were empty. And then that woman had to suck up her courage and go back to get her child this is what I have said when the war when the war theme of the Lord began to come forth these live prophecies coming out with so much emphasis and then people say you know but but you know we win in the end yes we do win in the end but not everybody will be alive standing there as part of the winning war devastates war is unpredictable War can have two who are family separating, as God has said, the red and the blue in this nation. Red and blue used to sit side by side at the same dinner table and argue about whether Nixon was a crook or not, but nobody hated each other enough to call each other the names that social media has given rise to. Now people cannot tolerate each other. There is so much hatred. And the Holy Spirit has revealed on this channel that the media will help that hatred foment into war, foment, to rise and stir just like a Coca-Cola bottle that you shake and then you pull the top off and it goes everywhere. They will whip this country. There was a vision that I shared where I said that I saw a bull, America represented as a bull, running directly towards the edge of a, of a cliff. And who was sitting on her back? Fox News, CNN, and all the different ends, NBC. The media were sitting on her back with their microphones, you know, sticking out like just like just like people riding a horse. And they were flogging and whipping the bull and the bull because of the frenzy, because of the blows, because of a lot going on, because of the bull's own stubborn nature was running right off the side of a cliff. So I will go back into this thing with Noah because the Lord was giving it to me all day before I wrote this prophecy. And though um, the message really began to intertwine with so many other things, another thing on war is um, I did say that war will come to many nations. This is not going to be a localized U.S. thing. In fact, what it's pretty much going to look like, for those who want to understand how end times prophecy feeds into this, this world is going to become so unstable. It's going to become such an ugly place to live. Every nation will be struggling with things like clean drinking water, struggling with um, not having enough resources, struggling with wars, struggling with all kinds of things. And it is into this chaos that the man of sin is going to walk, proposing answers and proposing peace deals and proposing solutions that will enter the minds of and hearts of people as the perfect thing. When I speak about this, people say, no, he's not popular. Nobody likes Obama and everything. And and it just goes to show that there's not enough of the taproot and depth and willingness to listen to what the Lord is saying. The Bible says that this man is going to move with craft. It says that he's going to speak with smooth words, deceptive sentences. It says he is a king of a fierce countenance. So just that section alone, king, fierce countenance. It means that this is someone who is not above using brute force to get you to agree. After some shots are fired, perhaps into some skulls, many people will find that they do not have an objection anymore. He's also moving with deceivableness. He is moving with lying wonders and signs. So we have the brute force aspect. And then we have the aspect where some people just love him anyway, and will not believe any evil of him. And he will easily be able to pull that very large demographic in through what is called craft and guile. He will just butter them up on both sides. And they will be like, we're just so glad you're back. It doesn't matter that you're back anti the constitution. We're just so b- glad you're back. And then on the final side, we have the spiritual side. There was a dream that I had a long time ago, and this is just a dream for me, but I will share it. A long time ago, about 2016 or so, I dreamt that I was walking and the world was darkening. I have often spoke of the fact that God shows me the sky as a kind of warning, as a kind of alarm clock, um, to what is taking place. I saw this, when I see the sky, the sky is always very heavy very dark, black, and boiling. These clouds are rolling and roiling, and yet, at the same time, it is a bright and sunny day. So I see the black sky, and I already know we are in the times of times, dangerous times, evil times, where the spiritual realm realm will become so powerful. The spiritual realm is going to become so strong that in your office, that lady with three demons that has always been normal is going to start to act so violent. She's going to have such a sharp tongue. She is going to be seeming to quarrel with everyone. And for some reason, the words that she speaks are going to be so piercing that other adults are going to be led to tears. Even men, they will feel cut, And what people won't understand because they're not rooted in the word of God is that they will not understand that what is coming out of that woman's mouth in that time are spiritually empowered daggers. She will not just be speaking words. She will be like miss Beyonce Knowles, who sings lyrics, but what is coming out spiritually are golden letters and golden symbols and golden words and hexes and curses. That God says even the church of Jesus Christ sits there and allows this woman, because of star status, iconized status, idol status, to curse them. To actually take them captive by a very severe form of witchcraft that he says Beyonce performs because she enjoys it. So that same thing, the woman in the office, the demons are going to be expressing bile and venom. And those words like knives, daggers, and swords are going to go into the hearts of ordinary people. And some people might hurt themselves because of this. If you have ever wondered about the phenomenon taking place among the young people, the youth, where they say hurtful and harmful words, but still some would argue these are just words, but the police actually have increasingly started not to agree and have started to uh, uh, prosecute some of these children. Why? Because they will gang up on one child and then they will say, why do you even exist? Delete yourself out of existence. Why don't you do everybody a favor and kill yourself. And they will say this and it will seem like cruel bashing, but just words. And then before you know it, a 10 year old, a 16 year old has gone and taken their lives. Why? Because the spirit that is on those destructive words hits into a heart that has no barrier, no covering, no strong armor and then like poison, they begin to leech out of the person desire for life. Power of life and death is in the tongue, and in the end days, the demons are going to be talking out of the mouths of people, and as we go forward, you will see them acting out visibly in the bodies of people, heinous crimes. I've been speaking of this for three years, since 2019, always talking of the heinous crimes that will appear all around the world so these are things that the lord wants us to be aware of because the times that are coming spiritual activity will increase this man is going to be working with brute force he's going to be working with craft he's going to be working with spiritual deceivableness and under those three This is why the Bible says that the beast trampled the residue with his feet. That's why the Bible says it was granted to him to prevail, which means to rise against, to come against as if in contest and succeed. The Greeks and the Romans fought. The Romans prevailed over them. That is what it means, to prevail over the peoples these are the times that we are going into and God wants us to be very aware of that and take these matters to heart having war in a country is not easy having war in a country is debilitating war in America is a very inverted spectrum inverted means like this the small end like the telescope is toward you and then the big end is looking at what you're looking at that's how we see war here we start all the wars We go out and fight all the people. But from here, it looks tiny because we're watching it on a screen. It's on the phones. Whatever is happening in Ukraine, it's on the phones. The small end is here and the large end is happening to the people out there. They're crying in Iraq. They're crying in Afghanistan and Yemen and Syria and everywhere else. But when it comes here, it will be like this. The large end will be happening here. It will be larger than life. It will be larger than life. I ran away and I left my son. There was a moment there. We were hiding and we got scattered, but now we don't know where the four-year-old is. We don't know where the 14-year-old is. We don't know where dad is. And then it will be the nations of the world who will be looking from tiny, tiny screens. They will be looking from their TVs. They will be looking from their cell phones. And the Lord said that the foreign news channels will cover every single inch of what is going on here. Righteousness and how Noah will not save his children. We all know that Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. This man was highly commendable. He stood out and his righteousness was enough, as I said, to make God select him as one of only eight people who would survive the flood. And a lot of preachers will not really expound upon how debilitating that the physical journey must have been on Noah and his family. They will not expound upon what is it like to be locked up in a boat for almost a year, just afloat on the seas, because even after the 40 days, it took forever for that water to go down enough for the boat to run aground in the mountains of Ararat. And then when they finally came out, What about the psychological damage on them? The animals aren't feeling a thing. They just go off and they begin to repopulate. What does it mean to be eight out of nobody left? What does it mean to sit alone as a family unit and stare at one another and know that there are no people living? What damage does it do to the heart and the psyche? And then you will see them standing in the pulpits and calling Noah a drunk as if Noah had not just gone through one of the most earth shattering moments of his natural life. Noah's righteousness, however, was able to save his family. But in the times that are coming, the scripture says that even Noah and even Samuel and even Job will not be able to save children. In Job's case, it is quite obvious that for all the righteousness that Job had, when God extended coverage and protection to Job, After all of Job's suffering, when the Lord extended coverage and protection to Job, it was only Job and Mrs. Job who were protected. Everything else that he owned was struck and that included 10 adult children that he lost in a day. As for Samuel, as righteous as he was, one of the greatest prophets of the ancient world in the nation of Israel, the only two sons that Samuel had did not love the Lord. They were corrupt men priests but nothing in them loved jesus nothing in them loved holiness righteousness keeping god's laws they were sleeping with women and doing all kinds of things that brought great shame to their father and though he rebuked them it never actually changed who they were and so the lord was saying today that he does not want to be mistaken by the church the lord said that he does not want his people to mistake him what does it mean to mistake god it means to take god lightly It means to have an approach towards the Lord that is just casual and familiar. No one's saying that you need to have a straitjacket approach to God. But there's no fear of the Lord in this country. I don't know what it is, what it's like anywhere else that you're watching. You may be in an atheist country, in which case it's obvious there's no fear of the Lord. Because to start with, there's no Lord. But here in America, there is a great presumption of righteousness that does not go along with anything that the scripture is actually asking for. The remnant is as small as just a very small thing. There is a great presumption that righteousness abounds in this country and yet there is no reverence for God, there is no respect for God. Even the people of God have so casual an approach to him that they do not know that it can harm them. Taking God casually can harm you. There is scripture where God says, because you forget me, I also will forget your children. Do you hear how deliberate that scripture is? It doesn't say, because you forget me, I will I will retaliate by forgetting you. It says, because you have forgotten me, the little ones that you have chosen to love above me. So you spend time with them in story time and going off to Disney World and getting them everything that they desire. But you don't train them up to know me. You don't bring them up in righteousness when they start to say that I'm actually Tyler, but yet they were born Francis, a girl, then you say, well, honey, you know, I just support you and I'm here for you. And I just, and you do things that offend in the nose of the Lord. And then you mistake him. I've seen people on this channel. I will bring these prophecies out. And then they will just say, well, I don't know what to do with all this because my son is 22 and he wears a dress and I still love him. Nobody's saying you can't love him. But the fact that you will not correct the fact that you will not provide guidance, the fact that you will not be firm and say, Like Moses, when he came down in fury from the mountain and found the people backside naked, fornicating, having orgies and disco lights, slaughtering animals and bowing down to a gold calf, Moses didn't say, oh, God knows their heart. He smashed all that hard work. And then he gave out one cry. And the cry was this, who is on the Lord's side? And it says that the Levites rallied to him and all the other people who had not unsullied themselves and Moses sent them out throughout the camp to put to death in that instant everyone who was defiling themselves in sight of the Mount. They weren't far. They hadn't gone anywhere. They were camped at the base of the mountain where just a moment before God had descended on that mountain to show himself to them. No fear of the Lord to live in sight of the Lord, to be within ear distance of what God is saying to this generation and think, well, you know, I, I just think that some of this is just far off. And I think that the rest of it is just not for today. This is some of what it means to mistake God, to have the word of God living and present, quick and alive, a cutting sword saying come here and let me shave you come here and let me cut the fat and then just say well you know how does this how is this for today the lord was saying that he does not want to be mistaken by his people he does not want to be taken lightly by his people he does not want to be misrepresented to the body of christ misrepresented to the body of christ if if i sit here and we do maranatha patty If I keep coming and saying, oh no, you know, today's political prophecy is this. If I pander to the appetites in the mouths that are out there in some people, that is what it means to misrepresent to the body of Christ. False prophets complicit in telling lies that have been packaged and sold to every nation in the world. Every nation in the world knows T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer and Creflo Dollar and a host of them that I don't know off-head. Their ministries are flagships that have sailed 20, 30, 40 years in some cases. Some of them continued until they passed away. The world has drunk from the defilement of Mystery Babylon. And God is saying that misrepresentation will come to an end. So let us look at Ezekiel chapter 14, which is the crux of the message that the Lord has given me today. Ezekiel chapter 14, and just a portion of it here. Just a moment, please. Verse 12, the word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, When a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I'm going to paraphrase so that it goes faster. You have your own Bible, verse 12. And then the Lord came to me again and he said, son of man, when a land sins against me persistently by being unfaithful, I'm going to stretch out my hand against it. That means judgment. I will cut off its supply of bread. I will send famine on it and I will cut off both man and beast from it. The Lord is saying that nations that sin against him in this case, well, it's not going to be America alone. This is a prophecy that's going to happen all over. God says that nations will go into famine if they continue to be prostituting themselves with sin, with Baal, with rainbow, LGBJJ life and other things like that. He will cut off food in that land. They will begin to have supply problems. Famine will come on it. And then he says he will cut off man and beast. This means that you will start to see strange plagues killing off animals everywhere. And you will also start to see, as it is, as it were, an invisible blade in the earth just cutting people down. So this is the premise he's saying. Sinfulness and persistent unfaithfulness already brings the hand of God with judgment. Now he says, even if these three, Noah, Daniel, Job, were in that land, they would only save themselves by their righteousness. Please understand that this is exactly what I explained in both videos. This is a very strict standard of righteousness. This is righteousness where God is saying that Noah, who once in the ancient world saved seven, would not be able to save any he would only save himself that means that in if noah were alive during these times mrs noah and the others mrs noah and all the children will not be able to be covered by his righteousness daniel daniel stood in the gap for his nation all his life he was a dedicated prayer warrior and he was very committed to national repentance daniel chapter 9 is one of the best prayers of how to pray for a nation that is a great offender against God. Daniel's secret was that he did not separate himself and say, Lord, I'm praying for Israel and them over there. His prayers said, we, he identified himself in the position of the sinner and this touched the Lord's heart because it was a great, great sign of humility. And Job, When we go to the book of Job, the opening sentence talks about Job's righteous characteristics and how proud God was of him. And yet, Job saved none. So the Lord says, If I make the wild beasts start to go throughout the land, meaning that you now start to hear that wild animals are attacking people, you now start to hear of, oh, um, Rabid raccoons bit three hikers and they all passed away. Beasts now coming, beasts coming out of the limitations set for them to hurt people. And he says, and if they pass through the land to the extent that they empty it and they make that land so desolate that no man can now pass through that land or travel through it because of the beasts. He said, even if these three men who Noah, Daniel, Job were in it, he says they would save neither their sons or their daughters. Only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Then the Lord moves on and says, now, what if I bring a sword on that land? What if I say, sword, go throughout the land and I cut off both man and beast, even though these three, Noah, Daniel, Job, were in that land. As I live this is God swearing. God cannot die. When he says, as I live, he says, mark it sure. That's what it means. They would save neither their sons nor their daughters, but only themselves would be saved. And he goes on saying, what if I choose pestilence to enter that land? What if that is how I pour out my fury? Verse 19, I pour out my fury on that land in blood. And the pestilence cuts off man and beast. So now this is animals sickening from animal diseases and dying and people sickening from plagues and pestilences and dying. God said that even if Noah, who covered Daniel, who covered and Job, even Job covered his children while they were alive, constantly making sacrifices to appease God and repent and atone for his children's sins. He says, they would not save their son or their daughters. They would only be able to save themselves. And so this is the estimation that God says towards the end of the chapter. What if I were to send such severe judgments that the sword and famine and beasts and pestilence come at the same time and they cut off the man and the beast from this land He says, Yet I will leave a remnant in it who will come through it, both with their sons and their daughters. And they will be brought out to you, and you will see their ways and their doings. And after this, you will be comforted concerning the disasters that I've brought upon Jerusalem, all that I have brought upon it. And when they comfort you, you will see their ways and their doings, meaning that you will see that they have come through this test. And you shall know that I have done nothing without cause, that I have done in it. And this is the Lord saying this, no matter how I judge, I am righteous. No matter what I do to any nation, you cannot question me. I am infallible and I have done it and I have had a cause, I have had a reason, I have in my hand a ledger, I am the eternal God, and all that you and your people have done, every word that your people have spoken in aggregate against me, against my righteousness, against my son, against my institution, against the church, against even your friend who tried to tell you, stop hanging out with those people, it's not good for you, the collective sins, God says, I weigh it, and when my judgment breaks out against a land, after all is said and done, sword, beasts, famine, pestilence, it seems horrifying it seems devastating to you as you go through it you cry and the family of five turns to two and the family of four stays the same and it doesn't look fair and no one can make sense of why they lived and why did I lose everyone why why did I lose my own life it's not fair God says that at the end to the remnant it's to them when they come through it sons and daughters intact He says, then they will be comforted. And when they come through those things, because you know what those things will do? They will refine people until they reach a brilliant shine. If you have ever wondered, whenever you hear him say he's coming for the church without spot or wrinkle, that's not because the, the garment gets sent to a laundry service. They will be refined in the fire until they are glistering glistening white. He said, when they have come through it all, they will know from the process of refining. That means that when they're sitting in the wilderness and crying, but still alive, when they're watching another city burn, but still alive, when they have run back to the ancestral villages, but still alive, at the end of it, those who are alive and remain will know that all God will do in these end times. He did it for a cause. He did it for a reason. He was righteous to judge and blameless in his assessments of every single one of us. May the Lord bless and keep you. I am Celestial and this is the Master's voice. Until I see you again, goodbye.